This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, sometimes programming this show is like walking a tightrope. You're never quite sure of your footing. Take, for example, tonight's first offering, The Jack Benny Show. Now, from emails I've received, it's about an even split as far as who likes Jack Benny. Some hate him, some love him. Sort of a damned-if-you-do, damned-if-you-don't situation. Well, tonight we hear the story of the day he met Phil Harris. Who is Phil Harris? Well, in 1936... Harris became musical director of the Jello Show, starring Jack Benny, singing and leading his band. And when he showed a knack for giving snappy one-liners, he joined the cast, portraying himself as a hip, hard-drinking Southerner with a good nature. Oh, he overcame his ego, and he gave the others nicknames such as Jackson for Jack Benny. Addressing a man as Jackson or Mr. Jackson was popular slang in the late 30s and early 40s. So, here we go with the story of how Jack met Phil Harris. The Jack Benny Program. Starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Larry Stevens, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Goodbye. 
assist Nebraska made Mr. Benny an admiral. He's been upstairs working out fleet maneuvers. <laughs> I'd better get him away from that bathtub before he messes up the whole room. <laughs> oh, Mr. Benny. Say, boss. Oh, admiral. What? <laughs> Oh, uh, oh, it's you, Rochester. Uh, glad to have you aboard. Uh, batten down the hatch and sit down. Uh, uh, what do you want? Your breakfast is getting cold down on the lower deck. Well, I can't, uh, I can't leave now. I'm about to engage the enemy. Now watch. The enemy fleet is over here. Boss, don't splash water on that bass man. Quiet. Now I swing my carriers around like this and bring my destroyers over to this side and encircle them. There you are, Rochester. Now, if you were the enemy and I had you surrounded like that, what would you do? I'd pull out the plug and ground every ship you got. <laughs> Don't be silly. Being an admiral in the Nebraska Navy is serious business. Aye, sir. And anyway, I'm proud of my appointment. In fact, I'm sorry I didn't stay with her when I was in the service 24 years ago. Yes, sir. Military life is a life for me. And those promotions. Now, Rochester, help me take my fleet out of the bathtub and oh, then. Oh, we'll... so say, boss, I meant to tell you, Miss Livingston called. Oh, yes, yes. I better get ready. Boss, if you're going out, don't you think you ought to take off those medals? <laughs> huh? huh? Oh, oh, well, half of them on your right side, you're listening to Port. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Say, I just happened to think of something. I promised to take my girl, Gladys DeBisco, too. I'll pick her up on the way to Miss Livingston. I hope Gladys and Mary are ready when I pick them up. Gladys Zabisco. I've been going with her now for nine years. Oh, hello there, children. Hello, mister. Hello. You know who I am, don't you, children? I'm Jack Denny. Yes, we know. You tell us every time you see us. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes. You want to know something? Last night, our mother and father were talking about you. Really? Yeah, they thought we were asleep. <laughs> So long, children. Bye, Bye Mr. Benny. Who's hey, this? What? He looks a lot older than 36, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, did you say something, Sonny? No, no. Goodbye. Goodbye. Gee, they're cute, kid. But that little boy looks a lot older than seven. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello, Don. Where are you going? Uh, I'm on my way down to the express office, Jack, to pick up a set of encyclopedias. A set of encyclopedias? Yeah, and I've just got to tell you, Jack, 
I sent in two questions to a quiz program, and boy, did I stump those experts. Well, so long, Don. So long, Jack. See, I like Don Wilson and his sly commercials. The way he tricks me into keeping my job. Really. <laughs> Phew. I better sing slower. I can't walk that fast. <laughs> oh, darn it. I meant to call Larry Stephen before I left the house and find out what he was going to sing on the program this evening. When I talked to Phil, he told me about the arrangement. I remember he said they were, they were going to use a harp. And four violins. I remember he said that, too. Say, that's going to be kind of nice. With the harp in the background and the violins playing the soft melody. Yep. Yep, it ought to be a beautiful number. Someone was always in my dreams That someone was always you I never thought we'd meet someday, but now that my dream came true, I just want the right to love you. I bet that'll be beautiful, that song. Oh, Mr. Benny. Huh? Oh, oh, it's you, Mr. Kern. <laughs> How's the newspaper, Benny? Oh, fine, fine. Funny, I always seem to run into you on the street. Well, I was just going over to your house to thank you for those stories you gave me. Oh, you mean how I found Mary Livingston? Mm-hmm, and how you found Rochester. Well, I'm glad you liked them. You know, those first two articles were very successful. And now my editor is interested in knowing how you found Phil Harris. Phil Harris? That's right. Well, well, okay. 
Uh, walk along with me, Mr. Kearns, and I'll give you the whole story. All right. You see, it was ten years ago that I first met Phil Harris. I remember the day well because it was Mary's birthday and I wanted to show her a nice time. So I got all dressed up, went over to her house, and let her make dinner for me. <laughs> and the meal was delicious. I remember we had thick sirloin steaks, smothered in onions, and stripped with bacon. Yes, sir. That was ten years ago. <laughs> Gosh, Mary, this is a terrific meal. Well, thank you, Jack. Gee, the steak is so tender and so easy to cut. Gee, it just melts in your mouth. Jack, put on your glasses. You're eating the butter. <laughs> well, anyway, Mary, it was sweet of you to invite me over to your apartment for dinner. And wait till you see the bottle of champagne I brought you for a birthday present. You know, you've heard of those famous imported champagnes like Vintage Premier and Chateau Calais. Yes. Well, this is a new brand. Savan Oop. <laughs> You know, uh, Mary, I was just thinking, here it is, 1935, and it's been three years since I put you on my radio program. It's been over three years. Yep. Say, Mary, what would you do if I gave you a little raise? I'd quit my job at the May Company. <laughs> Don't worry, Mary, you just stick with me, and in another two or three years, you won't have to work at the May Company. Except maybe Saturday. <laughs> The day will come. Well, let's not talk about that, Jack. The evening's young and it's my birthday, so let's do something. Well, uh, I was going to suggest something. What? Well, first, let's go over and sit on the sofa. Uh-huh. And we'll snuggle up close to each other. Uh-huh. And we'll turn the lights down low. Uh-huh. Then we'll tell ghost stories. <laughs> How about it? Well, Mama warned me about everything but this. <laughs> what? Jack, why don't we go out somewhere? Let's go to the Coconut Grove. Well, maybe... We... Hey, wait a minute, Mary. I've got an idea. There's a nightclub way downtown on North Figueroa Street, and there's a new band playing there. Let's see, what's the name of that band again? Oh, yes. Phil Harris and his syncopated serenaders from the Solid South. Phil Harris? I've never heard of him Well, he's just coming up And I'd like to go hear him, Mary Because, you know, I need a new orchestra for my program All right, let's go Okay, now let's see Where's that nightclub now? Oh, yes, on Figueroa About six miles east of the La Brea Tar Pit <laughs> Come on, Mary Here it is, Mary. This is the place. Holy smoke. What a nightclub. This is an awful joint. Well, Mary, you can't tell anything about it from the outside. Yeah, but look at the name of it. The Ruiz Club. So what? Ruiz fell backwards as sewer. <laughs> All right. What's the difference? And look, Jack. You have to go down these stairs. Yeah. Okay, let's go down. Watch your step, Mary. <laughs> Mm -hmm. 
That's rest. If I go down any farther, I'll get the bends. <laughs> I think we hit bottom, Jack. Here's the door. Oh, yes. Well, that guy Harris knows all the new tunes, doesn't he? Yeah, but how can people dance on that bare ground? They probably sprinkle water on it to make it slippery. And it helps keep the dust on, too, you know. Let's find a table. Uh, maybe that man will get us one. Oh, yes. Uh, pardon me, are you a waiter? Oh, what do you think I am with this napkin over my arm? A clothesline? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, but you're dressed too nice to be working in a joint like this. No. Oh, you mean these striped pants and this Prince Albert coat? Well, you see, I wear these clothes on my other job. Other job? Yes, I'm an undertaker's assistant. <laughs> oh. It was my idea to put the candles on the table. <laughs> hmm. And now would you like me to find a table and lay you out? <laughs> I mean, seat you. Yes, yes, please. Come on, Mary. Ah, here we are. Now, uh, what would you like to eat? Uh, nothing, thanks. We just came in to hear the band. Here. Well, you might as well order something. There's a minimum charge of 35 cents. <laughs> the 35 cents? Well, I'll have a chicken sandwich and a combination salad. And I'll have a steak sandwich and French fried potatoes. Anything to drink? No. You might as well. You've got 15 cents to go. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, bring us coffee. Imagine that waiter, an undertaker's assistant. Jack, look, the show's about to start. Good, I'm anxious to hear this guy, Phil Harris. Hiya, folks, and a good, good evening to each and every one of you. <clears throat> now, <laughs> welcome to our little club. This is your orchestra leader and master of the ceremonies, the one and only Phil Harris. Are you glad to see me? Sir, thank you, thank you, and we have a very lovely crowd here tonight. Hey, Mary, he's got a nice personality. We'll see. And speaking of crowd folks, a funny thing happened to me on the way to the club tonight. The panhandler stopped me and said, pardon me, mister, can you let me have $1,000.05 for a cup of coffee? So I said to him, I said, look, coffee only costs a nickel. What do you do? What do you want a thousand bucks for? So he says to me... It's going to kill you, folks. <laughs> he says to me, well, I got to pay my income tax, don't I? <laughs> no, lady, don't explain it to him. If he don't get it, just let him suffer. Let him lay it. Don't wake him up. <laughs> hey, Mary. Mary, did you get it? I got it all over me. <laughs> Quiet. This guy's good. He's and, good. And uh, here's another one, folks. Uh, just will embalm you. <laughs> embalm you. Hey, did somebody call for me? <laughs> quiet, quiet. Get this, folks. A guy walked up to me today and said, Hey, Harris, uh, where'd you get the black eye? So I told him it was a birthmark. And he said, a birthmark? And I said, yeah, I got it in the wrong birth. <laughs> oh, yes, folks, it's just natural with me. Just natural. <laughs> Yes, sir, yes. That's natural. Now we're rolling all new stuff here. All hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. Mary, this guy is terrific. 
Oh. No, really, he'd be great on the radio. He's got something new, something different. Oh, you say that every time you see a man with hair. <laughs> oh, you just don't know class. Now, folks, for the high spot of the show, I'm going to sing a song I wrote myself entitled That's What I Like About the Sound. I guess this will be good. You know that, man? Come with me to Alabama. Let's go see my dear old mammy. She's frying eggs and broiling hammy. That's what I like about the South. Hey, man, Now there you can make no mistake where those nerves are never shaky. Ought to taste a layer cakey. That's what I like about the South. Oh, I gotta hire her. She's got time. baked ribs and candied yams. Those sugar-cured Virginia hams. Way down south in Alabama. And that's what I like about the South. Hot corn, bread, and black-eyed peas. You can eat as much as you please. Hey, look these snaps his fingers. Seats, and that's what I like about the South. Ah, don't take one. Have two there, darling. Brown and chocolate, too. Suits me, they must suit you, because that's what I like about the house. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Never alone in the club. Well, folks, that concludes our first floor show, but don't go away. There'll be another sensational show in five minutes. <laughs> Mary? Mary, I don't care what you say. That guy Harris would be great on my program. I want to get him over here. Hey, waiter, waiter. Yeah. Will you please bring the, um... <laughs> Will, uh... Will you please bring the orchestra leader over to my table? I'm sorry. He doesn't come with the 35-cent dinner. <laughs> Never mind the wisecracks. Bring him over here. All right. All right. I don't know, Mary... This guy, Harris, has a great personality. Finger ants, finger ants, all so cupy dolls, gardenias and razor blades. <laughs> Imagine razor blades. Oh, miss, give me a pack of cigarettes, please. Yes, sir, what kind? Oh, by the way, miss, what's that you've got on your tray there, tied up in pink ribbon? That's a lock of Mr. Harris's hair, 20 cents. <laughs> Well, I don't want it. You better take it. This is the last one left, and we don't share them again till the first of the month. No. No, thanks. Just the same. Hey, Mary, she's kind of cute. Oh, eh? you fall for it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here comes Phil Harris. Now, Mary, I want to make an impression on him, and I want you to help me sign him for my show. Tell him what a good boss I am and how swell it is to work on the radio. And above all, what a wonderful guy I am personally, you know? <laughs> Oh, but Jack... I... Here he comes, huh? Hey, uh, I understand one of you characters want to see me. <laughs> Why, yes. Uh, yes, sit down. This is Miss Livingston. Hiya, sweets. Mm. And uh, my name is Jack Benny. Look, bud, I ain't got much time. What did you want to see me about? Well, I wanted to talk to you about a job. A job? Yeah. Well, look, fella, I know things are tough, but uh, I can't use you. I, I, don't... <laughs> I don't want no new help, you. No, no, I don't mean that. You see, I have a radio program, and I'd like you and your band to be on my show. Well... I don't know. You see, I've Oh, but he's here. a wonderful man to work for. He's the nicest boss I ever had. He's just a ginger, peachy boss. So pleasant, so gentle. Mary, you're pleasant. overdoing it. And stop... Stop licking my hand. <laughs> now, Mr. Harris... Uh, just call me Curly. Oh. Till the first of the month. <laughs> oh. Oh, yes, the cigarette girl told me. Now, Mr. Harris, radio is a different type of work. Uh, you read music, of course. Huh? <laughs> Music, notes, arrangement. What's that on your music rack? Thermites. The joint's lousy with them. <laughs> oh, Harris, how could you be so young and bright when it's so dark down here? 
<laughs> you see, Mary, this guy is terrific. Oh, look, I'm only kidding. I've been studying music since I was a baby. Why, when I was six years old, my parents used to take me to the concerts at Carnegie Hall. A six-year-old kid interested in Carnegie Hall? Well, they told me it was a burlesque show. <laughs> a burlesque show? Yeah, how I used to whistle when they took the cover off of the bass fiddle. <laughs> Say, Mary, this guy's got a terrific sense of humor. He'll probably be able to write my gags for me. I'll settle if he can just write. <laughs> now, look, Harris, I want you on my program. So if you'll meet me Sunday morning, you'll... Uh... Uh, wait, excuse me a minute. The second floor show's about to start, and I've got to introduce the singer. Oh, I'll wait till you're through. You know, Mary, I think this fellow's... Hey, a... Jack, look who's going to sing, the cigarette girl. Oh, yes. Hey, she's cute. You know. And now, folks, I want to introduce our singer, the sweetest little lady this side of Pismo Beach... Miss Trixie Laverne, who will sing a Mahelan Collie Baby. <laughs> well. Come to me, my Mahelan Collie Baby. Cuddle up and don't be blue. On your fears are. Can't you hear me calling when the rain at Emma falling? <laughs> why every day the sun is shining? Why should I be home a pine? While my honey dear, while I drive away each tear. Or, or else, else I, I will be a melancholy. Yes, I will be a melancholy. Or else I will be Gosh, Mary, I'm a sucker for sentimental songs. <laughs> hey, Harris! Harris, come here a minute. Yeah? Say, that girl singer you've got isn't bad. That Trixie Laverne. Well, look, that's just her stage name. Her real name is Gladys Nabisco. <laughs> Gladys Nabisco, eh? Say, that's a pretty name, too. You know, I kind of like that, babe. Oh, come on, Jack. Let's get out of here. Why, Mary, you're jealous. <laughs> oh, fine. Hey, Harris, don't forget Sunday. I'll be there. So long, Jackson. You hear that, Mary? He called me Jackson. No one ever called me that before. All, All right, right folks. Go. Here's come a on. brand new number I wrote myself called That's What I Like About the South. <laughs> Come with me to Alabama. Let's go see my dear old mammy. She's frying eggs and falling ham. That's what I like about this And that, and that, Mr. Kearns, is how I met Phil Harris. Well, that really is a story. And I must say, Mr. Kearns, that Phil has been very fortunate in being associated with a great star like myself. A man who's been on the radio for so many years and who every year almost wins the Academy. Oh, pardon me, Mr. Brother. Here, come
Radio Service. Stay tuned for Robert Young in Father Knows Best, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for one of the first and best-loved all-American sweethearted family situation comedies, Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young. Now, in the first part of the show, you'll hear a common situation develop that many of you might have experienced in your own home life. A man with a teenage son and daughter having trouble getting any bathroom time. Mother, is Maxwell House the best coffee in the whole world? Well, your father says so, and your father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons. Brought to you by America's favorite coffee, Maxwell House. The coffee that's always good to the last drop. This, unfortunately, is the time of year when most young people become arsonists at heart. As they sleep, the gentlest smiles creep softly across their gay young faces. Smiles caused by a joyous vision, a glorious dream of the schoolhouse burning down. Yes, this is the time of year when the young ones return to their scholastic grind. And in Springfield, in the white frame house on Maple Street, the morning is a hectic one indeed, like this. Jim! Who's in there? Jim, your coffee's ready. Do you want it now? I want to get into the bathroom. I have to shave. Betty? I'm in here, Father. Well, who's in the bathroom? I think it's Bud. Bud. Bud! Did you want something, Dad? What are you doing in there? I'm taking a shower. Well, why did you lock the door? I don't have any clothes on. (laughs) Bud. Yes, Dad? Hurry up. Okay, Dad. I'll be right out. He doesn't have any clothes on. Of course, everybody else takes a shower in a raccoon coat. I don't know what's gotten into that boy. Acts more like his mother's side of the family every day. Jim, what was all that banging up there? Oh, the same old thing. Honey, isn't there anything we can do about a schedule for the bathroom? It gets worse every morning. Dear, but after all, this is a special morning. It's the first day of school, and the children are all anxious to look their best. But I have to be in Plainfield at 9 o'clock. It's a very important deal. I told everybody last night. Of course, dear, I know just how you feel. And you'll feel a lot better after you've had your coffee. Mm. I'll have it ready in just a minute. You said it was ready. It was ready, but when you didn't come down... Look, I'd better go back upstairs and stand in line. (laughs) Jim, it will only take me a second to pour you another cup of coffee. Well, okay. And anybody who thinks he can live in a house with one bathroom and three kids ought to have his head examined. What is it, bud? I'm out. Well, it's about time. Don't let anybody else in till I get up there. Okay. Jim, where are you going? I'm going to shave. But I poured your coffee. Sorry, honey. You'll just have to pour it back. The bathroom's clear. I may not have a chance like this for another hundred years. Hold the fork, bud. I'm on my way. Daddy, bud says I can't go into the bathroom. That's right. Thank you, bud. Okay, then. But I have to take a shower, and I have to go to school. And how can I take a shower if nobody will let me get into the bathroom? 
Kathy, Daddy has to go to Plainfield. That's 28 miles away. And he has to be there at 9 o'clock. Why? <laughs> because I want to sell Mr. Butler some insurance. So we can get some money. So we can eat. Is that clear? I don't know. I just want to take a shower. Kathy, I have to shave, and I can't shave while you're taking a shower. Why? Because you get the mirror all steamed up. Because I want to get to Plainfield wearing both ears. And don't say why. Why? <laughs> why don't you go do your homework or something? Oh, I don't have any homework. School hasn't even started yet. Well, make some up. Bud! What happened to my shaving cream? You want me, Dad? No, I want my shaving cream. Where is it? Maybe there isn't any. I could have figured that out for myself, except that I just bought a whole tube of it. Margaret? What shaving cream, dear? The shaving cream I bought last night. You didn't buy any shaving cream last night. I most certainly did. Didn't I? <laughs> no, dear, you didn't. Well, I should have. <laughs> but... Yes, Dad? Are you dressed? I'm tying my shoes. Well, run down to the drugstore and get me some shaving cream like a good fellow, will you? You bet. As soon as I finish my breakfast. <laughs> get it for me now. You can have your breakfast later. Holy cow, Dad. I haven't eaten since last night. Well, another five minutes won't make any difference. Use the car and hurry back, please. Okay. What in the... Who's in there? Kathy, come out of that bathroom this instant. Well, who is? I don't know. Betty? Betty! Did you want something, Father? What are you doing in there? I'm taking a shower. Well, open the door. Father! <laughs> Jim, you can't shave until Bud comes back anyway. That's got nothing to do with it. I was in the bathroom first. She had no right to sneak in when my back was turned. Will you please stop acting like an overgrown baby? You can have your coffee while Betty is taking her shower. Oh, why do they have to open the schools today? 365 days in the year, and they have to pick a day when I have an appointment in Plainfield. Dad. There's no system in this town, that's what. They just run things to suit themselves. Dad, the car isn't in the garage. It what? It isn't in the garage. Oh, that's fine. That's just great. I'm not having enough trouble. Now somebody's stolen the car. Jim, let's not get all upset. Maybe you didn't put the car in the garage last night. I didn't use the car last night. I came home with Ed Davis, remember? Betty had the car all afternoon. Betty! Yes, Father? Where did you leave the car? Just a minute. I'll be right out. Bud, go downstairs and call the police. No, Bud, wait. There must be a logical explanation to this whole thing. Of course there's a logical explanation. Somebody stole the car. Is anything wrong, Father? Oh, no. Everything's just fine. Somebody stole the car, that's all. They did? Who? How do I know who? Where did you leave it? In front of your office. That's what you told me to do, isn't it? I told you to leave it in front of the office? That's right. You said if I got through early to leave it in front of your office and come home on the bus. Then you wouldn't have to use the bus during the rush hour. But I came home with that Davis. Well, I came home on the bus. <laughs> You know, Betty, you're going to be a great comfort to me in my old age If I live that long Father, I just did what you told me to Why didn't you tell me you left the car downtown? You didn't ask me Ye gods 
17 years old, and she can't tell you anything unless you ask her. I'll be right back. Bud, where are you going? It's okay, Dad. I'll use my bicycle. No, Bud. Come back here, Bud. He's gone, dear. I don't know. The only time that boy ever hurries is when you want him to stand still. Well, dear, you told him to go to the drugstore. I wanted him to go down for the car. How can I possibly get to Plainfield without a car? You can use the bus. Nobody asked you. But you just said I was 17 years old Never and I... Never mind what I just said. What's that? What's what, dear? That's a car. Is it in our driveway? No, that's the Davises. I guess Ed's going to work. Ed, that's it. Betty, hurry up and get dressed. What for? Never mind what for. Just get dressed. Jumping creepers. Ed! Say, Ed! Hiya, Jim. What's up? Ed, I want you to do me a favor, a big favor. Will you wait until Betty gets dressed and take her down to my office? Sure, I guess so. She'll only be a minute. Okay, but tell her to make it snappy. Thanks, Ed. You're a pal. Well, that'll take care of that. Betty. What did Ed say, dear? He's waiting for Betty, and he'll take her downtown, and she can bring the car back. There, you see? There was no need to get upset about the whole thing in the first place. Well, that's a matter of opinion. <laughs> Betty, what are you doing? I'm getting dressed. Okay, look, Ed Davis is waiting to take you downtown. Oh, he doesn't have to do that, Father. Jeannie Liggett's going to pick me up. He's going to take you downtown so you can get our car and bring it back here. But I can't, Father. I'll miss my ride to school. I'll take you to school. But Janie Liggett... I don't care about Janie Liggett. This is more important. Well, if it's so important, why don't you go downtown with Mr. Davis? I'll tell you why. In the first place, I haven't shaved. In the second place, I haven't had my shower. And in the third place, I told you to go down in the first place. <laughs> now, hurry up and get dressed. Oh, poo. And don't take all day about it. Double poo. What was that? Yes, father. Person gets you into a mess like this, the least they can do is get you out. If you'd used her head, the car wouldn't have been left downtown in the first place. First time in her whole life she ever got through with it early. Jim, why don't you come downstairs with me and have your breakfast? You can save a little time that way. No, I've got to shave and... You can't shave until Bud gets back with the shaving cream. Well, I can take a shower and brush my teeth and... Oh, no. What is it, dear? Who's in there? Who's in the bathroom? is next to godliness. That's what they say. But there are times when it can be overdone. It's a cup of coffee later in the white frame house on Maple Street, and the Anderson's bathroom is still giving a pretty fair imitation of the Grand Central Station. Father, unshowered and unshorn, is low man on the totem pole and last man into the bathroom, as usual, like this. They ought to pass an ordinance, that's what. What was that, dear? I said there ought to be a law. No house can be built without ten bathrooms. Oh, Jim. Well, look at the time. A quarter past eight, and I haven't even started to shave. It won't take long once Bud gets back. How about another cup of coffee? Well, okay. There you are. Thank you. Even if Betty gets back with a car by 8.30, I won't be able to make it. Of course you will. Oh, it's 28 miles to Plainfield, and my appointment's for 9 o'clock. Jim, I'm sure if you explain to Mr. Butler, he'll understand. Oh, sure. 
I'm sorry I'm late, Mr. Butler, but one of my children left the car downtown. And the others wouldn't let me get into the bathroom. <laughs> He'll love that. Hey, Dad. Well, it's about time. We're in here, bud. Boy, did I ever have a time. You know what happened? Never mind what happened. Where's the shaving cream? Right here. Gosh, it was awful. You know what happened? All I want is the shaving cream. What took you so long? Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. You know what happened? <laughs> Mr. Crandall wasn't open yet, and I had to find a drugstore that stayed open all night. And then when I found it, I didn't have enough money for the large economy size, and then he couldn't find the small uneconomy size. <laughs> and he tried to sell me that smelly kind that you don't like. But I said, oh, no. And he said... But... Hmm? Give it to me. What? The shaving cream. Let me have it. Oh, uh, uh, it was uh, 35 cents, Dad. I know how much it was. Hand it over. Well, my allowance is only a dollar and a quarter, and I spent 60 cents last night, and there's a whole week to go. But will you let go of the shaving cream? I know you don't mean to forget things like that, Dad, but last year when I laid out 15 cents for the pipe cleaners... I paid you for the pipe cleaners. No, you didn't, Dad. As a matter of fact, I think I paid you twice. Well, anyway, it was only 15 cents, but this is 35 cents. But let go. That's practically half a dollar. I said let go. And I only get a dollar and a quarter. But you're squashing it. So why don't you just give me the 35 cents? Because I don't carry money in my pajamas, that's why. Now let go. But I'll give you the 35 cents. You will? Yes. Oh. Well, here you are, Dad. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, that's okay, Dad. I was glad to help. Yes, I can see that. <laughs> All right, bud, sit down, and I'll get your breakfast. Oh, gosh, you can understand how I feel, can't you, Mom? Yes, dear. It isn't as if I didn't trust him, but look what happened when I bought the pipe cleaner. Pipe cleaners. My own son. You think I was trying to cheat him out of 35 cents? Where did he get the 35 cents in the first place? And look at it. If that isn't the messiest looking tube of shaving cream, got it all squeezed out of shape. Spend your whole life trying to make things easy for your family. Ye gods. Kathy! Kathy! Hmm? Aren't you out of there yet? I'm washing my sleeves. What? I'm brushing my teeth. You've been in there long enough to grow new ones. <laughs> now, come on out. But I have to brush my teeth. You can brush them later. Open the door. Daddy, I have to brush my teeth. If I don't, I'll have to do it afterwards, and then I'll be late for school. I'll take you to school. Just let me get in there. I wasn't late for school even once last year. And this year, if I'm late the very first day... You won't be late, Kathy, I promise you. Now, please, let me get through. Gee whiz. Just because I'm the littlest one in the family, everybody thinks I don't have any feelings. And I do. I've got as many feelings as anybody. Fine, I'll tell him when he comes in. You tell who? What? Who will you tell when he comes in? When who comes in? I don't know. Well, stop talking about people you don't know. May <laughs> I please shave? He said, I'll tell him when he comes in. And I said, who? And he said, Jim. He God, now what? What is it, Margaret? Betty's on the phone. Well, tell her to hurry up. She wants to talk to you. Oh, my aching back. I'll be right down, Margaret. Kathy, don't ever get married. 
And if you do get married, don't have any children. And if you do have any children, don't try to shave. Grow a beard. Daddy, is it all right if I brush my teeth now? No, stay out of the bathroom. Gee whiz. Betty, why aren't you back here? Is that you, Father? Of course not. This is Admiral Byrd, and I'm speaking from the South Pole. Where are you? I'm downtown. That's nice. Are you having a good time? Father, the car's been stolen. Well, stop fooling around down there and... It what? It isn't where I left it. There's another car there, and the man at the filling station said he Betty. saw somebody fiddling around with it this morning. Betty. And I guess they found the place under the mat where we hide the keys. Because... Betty. Yes, Father? Go over to the police headquarters. Give them a full description of the car. Make, model, color, license number... Have you got that? I guess so. Tell them I'll be in later in the morning to make a full insurance report. Is that clear? Well, there's only one thing I don't understand. Yes? What am I supposed to do about my breakfast? <laughs> Betty. Yes, Father? Eat it. Oh? Okay. And Betty. Don't worry, Father. I'll take care of everything. Good. Right after breakfast. Betty. Betty. Oh, fuck. It's a conspiracy, that's what it is. The whole thing is a plot to keep me from getting to Plainfield. Well, that's fine. That's just great. What did Betty want, dear? Is anything wrong? No, everything's wonderful. This time somebody really stole the car, that's all. Oh, Jim. I'm up to my neck in appointments, the busiest time of the whole year. A thing like this has to happen to me. Sure, naturally, they'd have to be busy. They'll probably be busy all day. Who, oh, dear? George Phillips. If I can borrow his car, I can still get to Plainfield in time. But... Jim, I wouldn't count on that. George may need the car himself. Why don't you just call Mr. Butler? Because it took me two months to set up this appointment, and I don't intend to lose it. And if George Phillips can't do a little thing like lend me his car, well, it's just too bad, that's all. All right, dear, I suppose you know best. But... You want me, Dad? Now, whatever gave you that idea? You said Bud. <laughs> and uh, you figured the rest of it out all by yourself. Isn't that wonderful? Now, what did I do? Go across the street and ask Mr. Phillips if I can use his car. What for? <laughs> I've taken a contract to fill in the Grand Canyon, and I want to use the Phillips car for a dump truck. What? Oh, stop asking so many silly questions and do as you're told. But all I said was... Bud, do as your father tells you. Holy cow. (laughs) Ask a perfectly simple question, and everybody jumps down your neck. Get a bunch of double talk about filling in the Grand Canyon. Jim, I don't think you were very nice to Bud. Well, I haven't got time to be nice. I've got to get a car. I've got to get to Plainfield. Margaret. Yes, dear. I'm going upstairs to shave. Will you call Hector Smith and ask if I can borrow his car? I'll have it back at 12 o'clock at the latest. All right. And explain that it's an emergency. Tell him it's uh, practically a matter of life and death. Yes, dear. I'll tell him. Oh, I've never seen a morning like this in my whole life. Everything has to go wrong. I don't even know why I bothered to get out of bed. Hello, Elizabeth? No, no. Kathy, are you in there again? I'll be right out, Daddy. I told you not to go back in, didn't I? But you were on the phone and I had to wash my knees. You just took a shower. Everybody in the world's been taking a shower. 
I forgot to scrub my knees, and I couldn't go to school the very first day if I didn't scrub my knees, could I? All right, Kathy, just let me in there. Don't they look better now, Daddy? They're gorgeous. Now, may I please get into the bathroom? Jim! Oh. What is it, dear? Elizabeth says she's awfully sorry, but Hector ran into the back of a truck, and their car won't be out of the garage until Friday. That's great. Good old Hector. Good old reliable Hector. Uh, do you want me to call the Hathaways? They have an extra little car. There. What did they say, bud? Mr. Phillips had to go downtown early, and he took the car with him. Oh, fine. And Mrs. Phillips says she doesn't think Mr. Phillips would let you take it to the Grand Canyon anyway on account of one of the windshield wipers that... <laughs> makes as much sense as anything else that's happened today. Daddy, you said you were going to take me to school. Kathy, this is no time to annoy your father. But he said... It's all right, Margaret. I don't care. The way things have been going this morning, my mind is absolutely numb anyway. Dad... Two months, two whole months, getting Butler lined up for the kill, and then a thing like this has to happen. Dad... Fine bunch of friends we have. The windshield wiper doesn't work. Hector ran in the back of a truck. Dad. Jim, I'm sure he didn't do it intentionally. No, but if he wanted to borrow a car, you can bet your bottom dollar there'd be nothing the matter with ours. Dad. But don't you ever keep still? I want to ask you something. Well, go ahead. Don't just stand there. Why don't you use our car? <laughs> but... Just a minute, Margaret. I'll be glad to tell him. It seems, Bud, that you have a sister who hasn't sense enough to come in out of the rain. I didn't do anything. <laughs> she left the car downtown with the keys under the mat. Oh, that one. <laughs> and as a result, we don't have a car. Sure we do. Bud, the car has been stolen. No, it hasn't, Dad. It's out in front of the house. I went downtown and got it. Oh, no! <laughs> A mere 15 minutes have gone by, but things in Springfield are pretty much under control, so far as Jim Anderson is concerned at any rate. With his hands firmly on the steering wheel of his car, only two things remain between father and his business appointment. Kathy's delivery to school and a 28-mile drive to Plainfield. He'll be a little late, but he isn't too worried. As a matter of fact, he isn't worried at all, like this. Daddy! Yes, Kathy? Why does everybody have to go to school? Is it that important? Of course it's important. It's practically the most important thing in your whole life. Why? Because, Kathy, if you don't go to school, you don't learn anything. And if you don't learn anything, you aren't prepared for the problems you meet later in life. What kind of problems? Oh, all kinds of problems. Like, uh, well, like how to answer the questions your children keep throwing at you. <laughs> Things like that. It's very important. Daddy. Now what? Why is everybody so worried about the schools in Springfield? Well, they aren't worried, Kathy. Not if they're sound, public-spirited citizens. They realize that worrying doesn't do any good. It's action that counts. 
They know that better schools make better communities, and good citizens everywhere are helping to make our school system the finest in the world. That's pretty hard to do. Why? Well, it's uh, on account of the last war, honey. During the war, we couldn't build enough schools or train enough teachers. So now we have overcrowded classrooms and a shortage of qualified instructors for the lower grades. What's that? Teachers. Oh. Yes, sir. If more young men and women were trained to teach in the elementary schools, they'd find a wonderful career ahead of them. And they'd be helping to build a better country for all of us at the same time. They would? They certainly would. Well, then I changed my mind. When I grow up, I'm going to be a teacher. And somebody else can be a lady wrestler. <laughs> That's a very good idea. Ye gods, now what did I do? He wants you to pull over to the curb. I don't know what he wants. I wasn't going too fast, was I? I don't know. I was going 25 miles an hour. Remember that. All right, Daddy. And the light was green, wasn't it? Yes, Daddy. It certainly was. <clears throat> Hello, officer. Uh, anything I can do for you? There may be one or two little things. May I see your driver's license, please? Of course. Carry it right here in my wallet. I, uh, right here in the, uh, officer... I was in such a hurry this morning that I left my wallet on the dresser. But I can assure you that I've been driving in Springfield... Could I uh, see your registration certificate? Or would that happen to be at home on the piano? <laughs> Officer, I have to be in Plainfield as close to 9 o'clock as I can make it. And ever since I got up this Just morning... Just follow me, if you don't mind. But, Officer, if I don't get to Plain... Follow you? Where? We'll take a little trip down to the station house. And let's not try any tricks. Look, this is my daughter, and she'll tell you... We were going 25 miles an hour, and the light was green. That may be so, little lady. It may be so. But I just got a call from headquarters, and you're riding in a stolen car. Oh, no! again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Bargey and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. So until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Dragnet, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Gunsmoke, followed by Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.